This is Jason Hansen, pastor of Anchor Church. Thank you for jumping onto our sermon podcast. My prayer is that as you listen to this sermon, you're encouraged in your walk with Jesus and that you live for him in all of life. Enjoy the sermon now. Uh, if I haven't met you, my name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors here. Thank you for being with us this morning. Uh, it's good to see your faces. It's good to continue on this gospel of Mark uh, as we are kind of marching our way through it and and uh, only have a number of uh, probably less than a handful of weeks uh, to, to finish here as we're going to get through um, his, the crucifixion and then ultimately the resurrection. Again, if you have not read the Bible before, that's a, that's a spoiler. Um, Jesus dies, but then he is uh, risen from the dead. And so uh, we, we, get to, we get to celebrate that together. We get to spend time uh, together rejoicing in, in all of that uh, here over the next uh, couple weeks. Um, there was a time where Tiffany and I were traveling, and um, we were in a hotel room that had a safe in it, and we don't, I mean, that, I don't know, there, we don't really have those typically in the hotel rooms that we were in, and so we were like, well, let's use it. I mean, we have it. Uh, so we decided to put um, kind of our stuff in there, including our passports. Uh, we put it in the safe, locked it up, went about our business, did a bunch of things, got up the next day, um, you know, as we're thinking, like, we just want to make sure these things are safe, we want to hide them away. Um, and then we, we took the hour-long drive to the airport, and about halfway to the airport, we realized, hey, did anybody um, get the passports out of the safe? He's like, no, I didn't get them. Did you get them? And panic, <laughs> panic set in. Uh, we, we just thought, no. And so we had to have the Uber driver turn around, go back like as fast as they possibly could. We, we did make our flight, but it was, it was uh, harrowing, if you will. It was a mistake on our part. See, we, we wanted to put something away. We wanted to hide something away. We wanted to take it and we wanted to put it somewhere uh, that, that people couldn't get at it. We wanted, to, we wanted to take it valuable things, things that we needed, that we felt like we couldn't do without. So we, we put it somewhere where we just, we just didn't want anyone to, to grab at it and then we forgot it. So, so that's the problem with it. The, the really what could go wrong by putting something in a safe? Well, now you know. What could go wrong is you forget it. So don't, so like put a set of reminder or something if you're going to do that. The point is uh, we, we, we use that safe to protect things. We use that safe to, to hide things. We didn't want anybody to get at those things. And uh, we who are Christians, we have a, a dilemma sometimes. And here's the dilemma. We who are Christians have decided to put our trust, as we just sang, in our hope and our faith in the kingship of Jesus. And, and we're saying we are, we are wanting to trust him with all of us. He is the king after all. He is the one who, who we submit ourselves to. We want to follow you. We want to give you all of us. We want to we say you have control of our lives. You're the one that we want to follow. We want to submit ourselves to you. But if you're like me, here's the problem. There can be uh, parts of us, think, and I'm thinking like things like dreams that we have, desires that we have, hopes perhaps that we have. Some of us, it could be sin categories that we carry, that we enjoy, things that we, that we, we want, parts of us that we aren't comfortable uh, submitting to him. And so we wind up putting them in a safe, and Jesus, we just say, you can get at everything in my life except for a few things. 
except for a couple things. You're not quite allowed to touch these things. These things are hidden away from you. I want to hold on to these things. And if we think about it in a kingship way, what we're saying when we do that is, Jesus, I'm going to submit myself to you as the king of my life, except in these few things where I'm going to treat you as an imposter king. Because in these few things, I'm the king or queen. I'm the one who has these uh, things in control. I don't want you touching these things. You're an imposter here. I will remain the king of these things. You can take everything else. The problem is, and here's a big problem, he is not the king of some things, or he's not the king of most things. Christian, he's the king of everything including those things that we, we want to put in a safe, the safe in our hearts, and say, no, I just want to hold on to this. But here's the, here's the reality for us. This is the big idea for us this morning, is that, Christian, your king, Jesus, is not an imposter king. Your king is the true king. You, you don't have, Christian, the right or ability to say, all of this except for these things. We submit ourselves to him. We submit ourselves fully to him. And the question is, is Jesus, the king, worth every part of your kingdom being given over to him? Is your trust in him uh, such that, that you are willing to say, uh, Lord, here's all of me. What, what would you like? What would you like from me? Because we can think of those, we can think of doing that and we can get fearful. We can think, oh, but he's going to take the very best parts of me. <clears throat> he's going to change all the things that I really enjoy. <clears throat> Excuse me. He's going to uh, remove all the stuff that I like, the fun things. Jesus is going to take all that. That can be our fear. Our fear can be, oh, I don't want him to touch the fun stuff, you know. But is it, worth, uh, is it worth it? Is Jesus worth it? Is he such a kind of king that's worth it that you can say with full trust and confidence, hey, I know what you have for me is better than what I have for you. Are we at that place and, and how do we know that? Here's what we're going to do today. Here's where we're going. Um, we're going to see Jesus is charged and he's mocked here as an imposter king. There's this idea of him being an imposter. There's this uh, pushing forward of him just being pretending to be the king. And the people that are saying that, they really don't want his kingship. The question is, as we see this and as we walk it out, I think we can find some ways that we're, we're similar. And then we want to see how we can adjust that and answer that question. Is he, is he worth it? How do we know? And then we can... Uh, we can figure out how to live it out. That's kind of where we're going today. I'm going to read Mark chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. Uh, this is the word of the Lord to us this morning. If you don't have a Bible, you can grab your phone or whatever, and you can go to uh, your app store and uh, download the Version app. It's a free Bible app. You're welcome to use that. We're going to use the Christian Standard Bible this morning. Uh, this is the word of the Lord to us today. As soon as it was morning... This is where Peter, if you remember last week, Peter had just denied him and he was weeping and now 
Uh, it was close to the morning, so as soon as the morning broke, having held a meeting with the elders, scribes, and the whole Sanhedrin, the chief priests tied Jesus up, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. Now, Pilate was the, the Roman governor here. He lived in Caesarea, but he would come to Jerusalem for kind of the main things going on in the city. And here we had uh, the Passover, and so he was in the city. And so they hand uh, him over to the, uh, to the Romans. They do. They hand him over to the Romans. So Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Now we might think to ourselves, why did he ask him this? And here's why he asked him this, because this would have been the charge that they said he was claiming. They were saying, the, the chief priest said, he thinks he's the king of the Jews. He's declaring that to be the case. He's not. And because he's claiming himself to be the king of the Jews, that means he's trying to subvert your authority as the Romans, which makes him an insurrectionist, which means we're asking you to put him to death. And so Pilate takes that knowledge and says, are you the king of the Jews? He answered him, you say so. And the chief priests accused him of many things. Pilate questioned him again, aren't you going to answer? Look how many things they are accusing you of. But Jesus still did not answer, and so Pilate was amazed. At the festival, Pilate used to release for the people a prisoner whom they requested. There was one named Barabbas who was in prison with rebels who had, commit, who had committed murder during the rebellion. The crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do for them as was his custom. And Pilate answered them, Do you want me to release the king of the Jews for you? For he knew it was because of envy that the chief priests had handed him over. That is an astute observation by Mark. He knew that it was because of jealousy. But the chief priests stirred up the crowds so that they would release Barabbas to them instead. Pilate asked them again, Then what do you want me to do with the one you call the king of the Jews? And again they shouted, Crucify him. Which is an amazing thing to call for, isn't it? Someone that they didn't even know that he had done anything wrong. They're just, yeah, just crucify him. One of the worst ways to, to die, they had, the Romans had perfected the crucifixion. They're like, just, just put him on a cross, crucify him. So Pilate said to them, why? What has he done wrong? But they shouted all the more, crucify him. And wanting to satisfy the crowd, notice, if you remember, if you've been with us, the chief priests for the longest time were terrified of the crowd. There were so many people there. They didn't want a, a riot. And here Pilate seems to have the same problem. All right, I want to riot. And so to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. And after having Jesus flogged, he handed him over to be crucified. The soldiers led him away into the palace, that is the governor's residence, and called the whole company there together. They dressed him in a purple robe, twisted together a crown of thorns, and put it on him. And they began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews! And they were hitting him on the head with a stick and spitting on him. Getting down on their knees, they were paying him homage. After they had mocked him, they stripped him of his purple robe and put his clothes on him. This is, this is the, the word of the Lord to us this morning. We, we see uh, as we've kind of entered into this place, um, the, the uh, arrest of Jesus, the handing over and the betrayal by his friends, the abandonment 
of his, of his other friends, all his disciples, Judas, and then everybody else had left him. And now he's standing before the court. Uh, they, they essentially hand him over to the Romans because it's a mock court. They, they don't even really find anything real there. They just want him dead. And so they give him over to the Romans. The Romans, doesn't, he doesn't find anything either. But to satisfy the crowd, they decide to put him to death. We see here first that Jesus is charged as an imposter king. He's charged for being an imposter king. This idea, like I said, of the king of the Jews. It would have been given to him by the, the Jewish authorities, those in charge. Yeah, he, he says he's the king of the Jews. He's really not. He wants to overthrow you. And so Pilate asks, hey, let me just ask a question to you here. Let me, let me hear what you're saying. Are you the king of the Jews? I mean, it's a, it's a fair question, right? From the one who's going to either have him live or die. He's probably waiting for Jesus to give him some, you know, some reasoning as to why he is or is not that. But Jesus simply says a confusing thing. He says, uh, you say so. You say so. Which, which means essentially what he's saying is, yes, but... And that's kind of where he leaves it. Yeah. It'd be similar to like, if you ever heard somebody, um, you know, say, you know, when you go to the Grand Canyon, it's just a really big hole in the ground. Have you heard someone say that? Like the Grand Canyon, it's just a big hole in the ground. I went and saw it. And you might go to the Grand Canyon and take a look at it. And if you appreciate it at all, you go, you know, someone goes, it's a big hole in the ground. You're like, yeah. I mean, I guess you can say that, but Man, it's so much more than that, though, right? Like, it's a hole in the ground. Yeah, that's not wrong. But, but man, there is more to it than just a hole in the ground. I mean, there's, there's all this stuff you can study. You can walk down into it. You can see the water at the bottom. You, you, you can look at all the, you know, the animals and the life that's in there. And you can, I mean, you can break it down. So in one way, you say, yeah, yeah, it's a hole in the ground. But, man, you are missing so much about what that actually is. And Jesus, when he says, are you the king of the Jews? He says, yeah, yeah, but there, there's so much more you're missing. Because if he were to go into it, he'd say, yeah, I, I am the king of the Jews, but I'm also the king of the Gentiles. I'm also the creator of the whole world. And Pilate, like it or not, I'm also the king of you. I mean, so many things he could say. He could even walk and say, yeah, and I'm also the savior of the world. Yeah, I'm also the one who's going to take his life up. I mean, all of this. But instead, he just, because he, this is a fulfillment of Old Testament. Where, where we do things like Isaiah. It says like a, you know, like, like standing silent before his accusers. And so he says, yeah, yeah, but yes. I guess that that's, you can say it, you can say that. Because Pilate doesn't believe he's the king of the Jews. Pilate's heard from, from the Jewish authorities, that guy, he is an imposter. He, 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 thinks he's, he thinks he's the king, he's insane, and he wants to overthrow you. So you need to, you need to put him to death, like take him and put him to death. 
So Pilate's saying, well, they, I don't think that they think you're the king of the Jews. What do you think? He says, yeah, I guess, but there's more to it than that. And Pilate doesn't know what to do because all he's hearing from them is he's an imposter king. The high priests, the Sanhedrin, the scribes, he's an imposter king. So much so that when, they, when he goes to his custom and says, I'm going to release someone to you, Pilate's just saying, why don't we just release this guy? He doesn't seem like he's out of his mind. He doesn't seem dangerous. And they say, no, we want, we want Barabbas. Because the chief priests are riling up because the chief priests, uh, they want Jesus to die. They believe him to be an imposter king. And if you notice when he says it was because of jealousy, it was because of envy, that's because the people liked him more. Uh, he loved the people more. I think it was because he had an authority that they looked for and they wanted and they saw that he had some stature and some clout. And it wasn't because they didn't even necessarily look into whether or not he was the king or not. I mean, if they had just read some Old Testament, they may have put two and two together. They just didn't like the fact that he was taking away their authority. He was taking away their kingship, their rulership, and they didn't want it. They said, no, I don't want him around anymore because he keeps pulling away some of our clout with the people. Before we know it, man, they're going to be following him, and, and what are, where are we going to be? We don't have any authority then. No, we like being the top dogs. We like being where we are. So therefore, Jesus, we're just going to put you in this class of the imposter king and put you to death and see what happens. They want to keep what they have. They're not willing to submit themselves to the authority of Jesus the king. And for them, it's jealousy. But, but oftentimes for us, in a day-to-day -day level, it's not because we're jealous of Jesus the King necessarily. I think it's because we're fearful of the future that we don't have control over, that we say, oh, there's just certain parts of me then, that hear that I'm just going to treat you like the, the imposter king. I, I'm, I'm a fearful person about the future. I'm, I'm selfish, so I want what I want. You can't have these things. It could be idolatry. I love this so much more than I love you. And so I'm, therefore, I'm just going to hold on to all this. I don't know what it is in your life. It could be a sin categories. Whatever they are, but there are times where we functionally live this way. We think it's just not an, I don't want you to rule this part of me. Just like them. I, I, you know, it's Jesus, you can go away now. Let me take this. We can treat him like an imposter king too. And Pilate sees nothing that he's done wrong. What, what has he done wrong? And they say, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Crucify him, which is a miscarriage of justice. Think about that. What did you do wrong? Nothing. I, got, I can't see anything wrong that you did. Well, crucify him anyway. And Pilate, as a fearful moment, gives in to the crowd and has him flogged and then hands him over to be crucified. This idea of flogging... Um, was like 39 lashes with a, a whip made of a bunch of strands, and oftentimes they would put metal or rock or bone at the ends of them. So as he's getting hit, it's just ripping off flesh. This is a flogging. It's meant, a lot of times it was meant to just weaken the body for crucifixion. And so he just says, flog him and uh, crucify him. I don't know. I don't know what else to do. We'll just do it. Gave into the crowd, gave into the people. Clearly, Pilate has no uh, idea. He has no desire to even know whether or not he's a real king or not. He just goes, oh, he's an imposter king. Okay, 
seems like a nice guy, but yeah, we'll just kill him. So they hand him over to be, to be killed. They see him as this imposter king, the high priest do for sure, Pilate does. And in so doing, uh, so do these Romans. The Romans all would have seen him as an imposter king, which brings us to our second point, that Jesus is mocked as an imposter king. He's charged as an imposter king. He's mocked as an imposter king because the Romans would have seen no king but Caesar. There's no king but Caesar. Caesar's it. And so they, they weren't going to give in to the fact that he's being called. This, as a matter of fact, any Jewish person claiming to be king, they would have just laughed at. What? That's not the case. He's not the king. Come on, get out of here. That's not the guy. We don't have to bow down to this guy. That's not what we're going on. And the soldiers, uh, you can tell the fact that they don't believe he's the king. They believe he's an imposter king because they dress him up like a king as they beat him. They dress him up like a king. They give him a crown of thorns. They, they put a purple robe, which would have been somewhat precious. They put a purple robe on him. They, they put a scepter in his hand. Right? They're giving him it's all of this imagery. Mark wants us to see that they were dressing him up as if he were a king. They're saying, hail, king of the Jews, in mockery. They're, they're hitting him on the head with a stick. They're grabbing a, a, a heavy stick, and they're hitting him on the head uh, with this stick. Can you imagine that he, this is after he's been flogged, so he could probably barely stand, and now they're also wailing on him in the face with this, uh, with this stick, spitting at him, calling him names. They're getting down on their knees. They're paying homage to the, the king who's not really a king, laughing at the spectacle of a man. Probably very, very much doesn't even resemble a human being at this point after being flogged and, and punched and kicked and spit on. So here's Jesus standing with a scepter and a purple robe and a crown of thorns on his head, and he's doing so as the real king. Can you imagine if a real king, can you imagine if they did this to any, to any king that they had recognized as a king, some king that would just live, its, you know, live his life in a kingdom and he's ruling over with an iron scepter and someone tries to do this to him, they would all be destroyed. But Jesus the king, he, he, he takes it takes it upon himself. Because the soldiers, they, they thought he was an imposter king. They, they beat him for it. They mocked him for it. Pilate put him to death for being an imposter king. The, the high priests, the scribes, they, they, they just claimed and charged that that's exactly what he was. And so now he is, he is marching his way to death as, uh, as quote-unquote, an imposter king, yet he's the real king. What he's being, being charged for is actually true. He, he is the king of the Jews and, and so much more. And the question is, as we see this, this kind of picture being unfolded of the, the charges being levied and the sentence being given and the, the mocking and the beating that he went through as he's thinking of all this, is this king, the one who's being mocked, the one who's being wrongly charged as an imposter king, is this king worth you taking Every part of your heart that you're holding back from him and saying, you can have it all. Is it, is it worth giving up everything to this king? And here's what I want to remind you as we, as we think about this and as we get ready to, to apply it here. Here's, here's how I want you to, to process this. Every single part of everything that's taken place on this day, from the charge to the handing over, to the, uh, the flogging, 
the spitting, the, the being, the being uh, carried to the cross here in a moment. We'll look at that uh, next week. We, we, we see this. All of those things he knew would happen. He actually said it. Remember, Mark 10, 32, taking the 12 aside again, he began to tell them the things that would happen to him. See, we are going up to Jerusalem. The Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and the scribes. They will condemn him to death. They will hand him over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, spit on him, flog him, kill him, and he will rise again after three days. None of this is a surprise to him. Jesus knew that this was awaiting him. Jesus knew that he was marching to a, a, a moment in time where he would suffer tremendous pain and death, and he knew the manner of it. He knew what was going to take place. And let me say this in terms of the answer to the question of, is he worth it? He knew all of that was coming, everything that was taking place. And listen to me, he did it anyway. He knew it was coming, and he did it anyway. And we're like, well, well, why? Why does that matter for me? You know why? Because this king, the true king, not an imposter king, this king will not abandon his people in their greatest need. This king chose, even though he knew the moment, even though he knew the pain that was coming, chose to not abandon you in your greatest need. He could have very easily said, are you the king of the Jews? Heck yeah, I'm the king of the Jews. Not only that, I'm the king of angels. You want to see what's, look, call them all down. You're all going to die, right? He could have said, I'm, you know what? Yeah, I am the king of the Jews. Uh, let me just show you something really quick. Fire from heaven, come down just to consume everybody. Yeah, that's what I mean by the king of the Jews. Got it? Everybody got it? Chief priests? You too. All right. Kill them too. Right? He could have done a ton of things, but you know what? He endured everything because if he didn't endure everything he's enduring now, the flogging, the spitting, the mocking, the being abandoned, the handing over, the betrayal, all of those things, if he didn't endure all of those things, he would have left you and I hopeless. He did it anyway. So you ask a question, man, is Jesus? Because I'm afraid that, that when I give him every part of me, he is going to, he's going to be the king that's going to rule with an iron scepter and all my fun's gone and I have no more joy and all the good stuff. I just got to hold back some stuff for myself here. I got to do it. I trust me more than I trust him. And I'd say, why? This king, this king endured suffering. Even though he knew what was coming and he did it for you. He did it in his love for you. He did it in his kindness towards you. He did it because there is no such love that is greater than the fact that he gave his life for you. And now you think, well, okay, but now that's one thing. But giving up every part of my heart to him, that's just way too much. Really? What, what you're saying is, I just don't think he loves me enough for me to trust him enough to give every part of me. And I would just say, that's confusing. I get it because I do the same thing. 
but it's confusing. It's confusing to me all the times I do it as well. Like it's, we, we think about the, the, the reality of the gospel, the, the fact that Jesus died for our sins, and we, we forget the fact that he, he knew what was coming and he chose to do it anyway because he loves us. And Christian, he loves you. He knows what you need better than you know what you need. He knitted you together. He knows every thought you have. He knows every movement of your body. He, he gets it. He, he is the creator. He's sustaining you. He's holding it all together with the word of his power. And we want to hold things back from him because we know better than he does. There are things you want for your life. There are dreams that you have for your life. There are sins that you're committing because you're like, oh, this is fun. There are these things that, that if you think about it, you're like, I know what's next. You know, Jesus also knows the destruction those things bring. He knows things you don't know. He's aware of future that you are unaware of. He knows, hey, if this dream and this desire that I so want for myself, if you get this, it might crush you. And so he hasn't given it to you yet. And we get angry with him. I get angry with him. Lord, why not yet? Why won't you give me? I don't know if I can trust you with this. And and, and I think when we look back to his work for us on this cross, we should look back and say, you know what, Jesus? You've loved me more than I even am aware of. You know more than I know. So, so not what I will, but what you will. We're praying the, the same prayer Jesus prayed in the garden. Lord, take this cup away from me, but you know what? Not, not me, but you. You know best. And he marches uh, this way. And if you're not a Christian here, maybe you're somebody who's questioning your faith or you're somebody who's wondering if Jesus is real or you're, maybe you've heard it a lot and you're trying to figure out, can I trust him? Uh, let me say this. Uh, this death that he, he died, it can, it can also be effective for you. What, what it takes for you to do is just say, Jesus, I, I believe you died for me and you can uh, save me. You can rescue me from my hopelessness. Those moments on my pillow where I go to bed and think, is this all life is? Um, I'm here to tell you, non-Christian, it's not. There is a king, a true king. Believe it or not, he is your king. Whether you bow down to him today or whether it's after you close your eyes on this earth, you will bow down to him. And there's, there's, a, there's a season of life now where you can experience the joy of living under the rulership of the loving king. The question is, are you willing to take the step to, to trust him or not? That's the reality of this good news that we're talking about here, that we can trust him. Listen, Christian, your, your king is the true king. There is no imposter part of him. We might think there is. There's not. He's the king. We want to trust him. So let me, let me give us two ways that we can live this out. Uh, and then we'll, we'll sing some more and take uh, the Lord's Supper together. The first is this, ask this question. Where am I living as if Jesus is an imposter king? Meaning, what, what parts of my life am I just unwilling to give up to him? It's the things in your, in your heart where you just... You're, you're, you know, maybe you've been grieving them for years. Maybe you're, there's something where you just can't get over it. It's just constantly gnawing at you. You're just, you're angry, you're bitter, you're frustrated. The emotions are coming in because you haven't gotten what you wanted. You just want it so badly. What are the, some of those things in your life? Where are you living as if he is an imposter king? 
It's an evaluation. It's an asking. Maybe this is a good question for those of you that are in huddle groups. You know, one of our ways to get connected at Anchor is to live in groups. We have huddle groups, which are small discipleship groups. If you're interested in those, you can come talk to us. Um, there's also a QR code in the back, a big orange sign. You can click on that and fill out something, and it'll come to us, and we'll be able to connect you. Um, or your community group, something, to gather together and to, to ask questions like, hey, are, are there things maybe in our hearts that we're just not willing to hand over? Like, what is that? We want to evaluate those things and see where that is, which leads us to the second live it out point, which is allow him to rule this part of you too. It's a, it's, a, it's a choice we make. It's an allowance. It's to say, look, when we look at the high priests and Pilate and these guards, they, they don't believe he's the real king. They don't want him to be the real king. They're marginalizing him. They think of him as an imposter king. And if there's part of that in me where I'm actually treating him similarly, let me remove that and give him every single part of me. And I'm not saying that that's easy to do. I'm not making light because there's some of us that have had dreams and desires and hopes and, and we've carried sin with us for a long time that, that it is, it is going to be hard to give up to him because we like holding on to things. But I think the more, we, the more we see him as the risen Christ, the more we see him as the one who died for us, who lived a life that was perfect without sin, he went to the cross even though he knew what was coming and then he rose again from the dead and now he reigns over everything. If the more we see that and the good news of that, I think the easier it is to kind of release our, our grip on some of those things and hand them over to him. It's really, it's really a call for us to live as if he's actually the king over every part of us. Because, believe it or not, your king, church, is no imposter. Your king in every part of you is the true king. Julie, I'm going to have you come up in the band. I think the, the, the hard steps to take here are to recognize uh, that, that we really have no authority in this life. Man, as an American, that's hard. Because we like a lot of our freedom, you know, which is great. I love, I love the fact we live in a country where there's freedom. But we're not used to having somebody over us that's, that's telling us um, that it's going to be fine and, and we're good, and then we submit ourselves to him. We, we struggle with that. We, we had people do that in the 1700s. We kicked them out. Um, so that's just kind of our mentality. That's what we do, you know? Kick people out to try and do that. But, but as Christians, we say, no, we're inviting this to be the case. Lord, your love for me, I know, is greater than my love for me. And I love some of myself. I'm a, you know, if you're like me, man, we, we like ourselves quite a bit. And so he loves you more than that. And trusting in the gospel is believing that that's true and walking that out. Where, where is it? sure that we are those who are submitting ourselves to the kingship of Jesus. This one who was mocked on this uh, mo these moments before he goes to the cross, holding a scepter and having a crown and wearing a, a robe, uh, make no mistake, all of that is what he should be. He should be the one dressed as a king, but he went to the cross for us. I'm going to pray. Um, as, as we sing this song, if you're a Christian, like Aaron said, I, I would invite you to take communion with us. We celebrate his death for us. We remember it. I invite you to, to take it with us as we...
lead us in taking of communion together, and then we'll close in the song. So let me pray for us before we, we sing. When we sing the song, you can go back and get the, the bread and the cup if you haven't done so already. Lord, our, our um, I should say my prayer for all of us is that your kingship is pervasive in every part of this body. I really hope that you were encouraged by the sermon today. You can learn more about us at anchorchurchgilbert.com. We'd love to have you join our mailing list. You can do that on the website. If you have any questions for us about who Jesus is, please let us know through our website. I hope that you were encouraged.